Welcome to Old Eyes New Glasses, a podcast about relationships, family, and how emotional intelligence impacts our lives. My name is Avery Baker and my dad is Brian Baker. It's a family joke that he's got the old eyes and I've got the new glasses and that's how we got the name of our show. Together, we are the only father and son inspirational speaking duo on the circuit. This podcast is an extension of the messages we share with audiences we speak to, ranging from thousands of people at national conferences to high school gymnasiums with 1,200 students. Get ready to listen to some of the most dynamic, the most unique, and the most inspirational cross-generational conversations you've ever heard. Welcome in to another Old Eyes, New Glasses podcast episode. Today, we have a very special guest. Mm. This young man is a teacher in the Oakland Public School System. We have a master educated California State School rep in, and most importantly, my godbrother, my kin. Welcome, Trey Clayton, to the podcast. Yo, yo, what's up, what's up? Man, it's good to have you. It's, it's good to have you. It's good to be on. Good to be on. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I mean, this pandemic, man, we're recording this now in May of 2021. Um, I think one of the things that, above everything else, one of the things that has been really, that has affected me a lot is, you know, I haven't been able to see certain family uh, to the same degree or, you know, see them as often. And so you fall into that category as, yeah. you know, being somebody that we, we've seen each other once, you know, in the past 18 months, right. two years. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, man, yeah, it does yeah. feel good to, uh, to finally be able to get together to record this podcast is something that we've been talking about for, for a couple of months now. Yeah. Um, when, when we reached out via Instagram and we were like, yo, we should uh, we gotta make it gotta make it happen yeah, yeah yeah so so yeah well how you doing pops i'm good i'm good <laughs> it's it's good to be uh with with these youngins this uh mother's day weekend you said right. may yes, we'll sir. specifically call it mother's day weekend so before we dive in and start chopping it up a little bit question just came to mind for me is what are you two brothers doing for your mothers tomorrow? Oh, man. You know I'm about to hook her up with the finest piece of toast. <laughs> with butter or jelly? Oh, you know, she's vegan, so we'll get the vegan alternative butter. We'll know? get the yeah. avocado toast. The avocado, yeah. yeah we got to spoil the Mother's Day. <laughs> well, she just has a treat in store, I guess, yeah. for, for tomorrow. What about you, young Avery? What are you doing for your mother tomorrow? You know, I'm going to cop some flowers. Mm. And uh, where are you picking up? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go to McKinley Park now that you mentioned it. Uh, the Rose Garden, but yeah, I was gonna go over to the Rose Garden. Um, no, I'm gonna get some flowers and then honestly, I'm gonna slide over here and figure out whatever you're making. Or whatever. <laughs> you're gonna come over here and eat, and yeah, I'm gonna come over okay. here and eat. Right. You know, we're gonna have a nice Mother's Day. Day. There you go, fair enough, fair enough. Fair so, enough. yeah, so. We wanted to have this conversation today for, um, you know, we wanted to talk about a lot of things. Uh, uh, there's a multitude of topics to, to go over, but I mentioned in the introduction, you know, Trey, you're a public school teacher out in Oakland, and, um, and I know that this is, you recently became a teacher. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we have been just in our conversation, uh, just talking about some of the challenges that have that you've been faced with in the midst of this so i'll just throw it over to you and um kind of talk about your background as far as getting into education and then um what led you to become a teacher and how has that been so far yeah yeah (laughs) well you know originally 
I first had the thought of becoming a teacher. I must have been in fourth, maybe fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And the first time I had it, it was a fantasy, right? And Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, wow, that'd be awesome. And then immediately I was like, oh no, I can't do that. Like I would never make money. And I I didn't like thinking about it because I recognized Mm -hmm. at that moment that I saw this could be potentially something that I really enjoy that I really like, but I I didn't want to like it because I knew I wouldn't make a lot of money doing Mm -hmm. it. And so eventually, uh, you know, down the line, I did start working with kids. I did uh, Galileo Learning. I even worked at Pump It Up, you know, the oh, trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. But, you know, you're still working with kids in a certain capacity. Uh, and then in college, I think my last year of college, I was like, you know what? Like, I really want to go and, and teach in a classroom. I love giving like presentations mm-hmm. in front of my own, like during in college and in high school. And I loved working with kids. Uh, so yeah. And then I went and, you know, got my credential and, and yeah, ended up back in Oakland, which is exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to come back and teach third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we landed in March, 2020 <laughs> and the world changed. And, and yeah. And so did my perspective about teaching wow. for a second. Yeah. So, so you started, did you start like the 2019, 2020 school year? Is that when you started or when? Did so you... technically, yes, because my student teaching, I started in, um, that was, that was the 2018 2019 mm-hmm. because as, as a student teacher you you know you go in you may teach 4 days a week okay. at a school and so i started at this school in south central and i was teaching kinder kindergarten okay and then the next semester of student teaching we're teaching 4 days a week mm-hmm. you uh i was at same school but i taught fourth grade uh, which i liked a lot more mm. um, <laughs> Um, but um, why did you like it more? Why did you say you know? That? There's a trade off for me, in my opinion. There's a trade off uh, for you know the younger, uh, lower elementary to upper elementary, okay. and that's you know competence for attitude, right? Mm. So like they don't have attitude when they're young. You don't have to deal with them in that sense, mm-hmm. uh, and so it kind of you know makes the uh, environment a little lighter, a yeah. little bit more innocent. And, uh, you, you, there's certain parts of it that you do enjoy, but as a teacher and as a person who really likes academia, like I enjoy reading essays, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And you ain't gonna get no essay out of the <laughs> you know? You're lucky to get a sentence, you know? <laughs> yeah, or, or, or a complete form word at that, but yeah, yeah so that, that's kind of why, okay, yeah, okay, interesting, right. interesting. You know, you, you mentioned that you, you did your student teaching in South Central, so. Mm-hmm. For everybody that's listening to this podcast, you got your credential at USC. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so you found yourself in Los Angeles. How long was your program? Was it eighteen months? Yeah, year and a half. Okay, mm-hmm. so you spent so you so you you you, you graduated from San Francisco State, mm-hmm. and then you went to USC to get your credential. Spent eighteen months down there. Yes. Do you find uh, your experience in South Central very similar to your experience in Oakland? In terms of of uh, just teaching, period, whether it's the kids, whether it's the parents, the environment is there. Because I know you you teach in, in East Oakland, right? Yeah. So you, you teach in predominantly black um, uh, elementary school, mm-hmm. and as a black as a young black man, mm-hmm. right? I 
let me just say this. I think it's really cool that you are a teacher for other young black people to see that they can have a young black man as a teacher. You don't see that very much. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when, When I was growing up in the 70s, we had quite a few African-American teachers, albeit most of them were women. Hmm. Um, we did have some male teachers, and I just don't, I don't think, Avery, you had one. I was just thinking about this. I, I, I legitimately, I remember having one black male as an administrator when I was at, in, in middle school, mm. Animal Crossing. Mm. And then there was a substitute teacher at Christian Brothers, and then... Uh, Mr. Wiley, okay, who taught? You know, he he was there. He was the football coach mm. and taught at Christian Brothers. But other than that, no black people in, uh, no black teachers, no black administrators, yeah. like nothing yeah. throughout. That was both private and public school too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I guess you know for young kids to see you uh, as their teacher. Was it was there excitement in little kids seeing you in South Central, and did that translate over to where you were in Oakland? Because you before you you got to the public school uh, Oakland public school, you were in charter school for a little bit, right? Did you spend some time at a, at a charter school? Uh, or no, excuse, uh, like while I was teaching or when? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So originally, uh, when I came back from SC back to Oakland. I went and I taught at a charter school. Okay. Yeah, learning without limits in in Fruitvale. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. What was the demographic of the, of the students at that? School? You know, predominantly Latinx. Okay. Um, and then uh, I think the, I mean, it was, uh, I forgot how many black students were there, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the second major uh, majority was African American mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think your kid? I, I guess the question I'm getting to: Do you think your kids? Um, enjoy you as a teacher because you are younger. First of all, you're 20, about to be 26, so mm-hmm. just turn 26. Don't say that. But, but, yeah. <laughs> He's climbing too fast. Yeah, yeah. You're um, going downhill to 30. Yeah. You're still a youngin. Um, but I mean, is there a, is there a vibe you get a sense with the the kids that uh, that you're teaching that they like that, or do they even recognize? What do you think? You know, yeah, I, I definitely see it. Um, it was hard to notice it though this year because mm. it was all online, oh, and so like I usually I, I I can tell when kids are really enjoying the class or enjoy me mm. as a as as a teacher, um, and I couldn't really gauge that this well this year. But mm. some of the feedback like last like yesterday actually one of the parents with a child who I thought did not like me was like oh she can't she's she loves you and the class is awesome wow. and she. She talks about it all the time. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with my age mm-hmm. and my race. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just just on top of that, kind of being like uh, aware of their culture. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And what they're into. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Know what games they play. Know what artists they listen to. Yep. Um, you know, all of that stuff matters when you're teaching because if you're able to bridge those connections, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they want to learn from people that are like them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that does 
uh, uh, transcend race and, and, and culture and age. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so it's, it's it's important for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. You just said you, you couldn't necessarily tell because of this virtual world how you were connected with the kids or if they even liked you. It's yeah. like uh, what me and Avery do as speakers, right? We know when we're in front of a room of 400 people, 300 people, we're speaking to them. You're looking at them and, and they're vibing with you. Yeah. Virtually, when we had to change to that, we're like still trying to kill the game, but you're not quite as sure, right? Because some people are on the Zoom platform with just their name showing. We're not looking at their face, right? Yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I I definitely feel that you yeah. know on the whole virtual on the whole virtual thing in terms of of. Of being able to have that connection, mm-hmm. but it's, you just said something, and Avery, I'll throw this back to you. Yeah. But you just said something a minute ago in terms of the young lady and her mother, I'm talking about how much she loves you, and you're talking about the fact that um, she may feel that looking at somebody that looks like her understands her a little bit better, or you can connect with 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 her culture right and and her mom's culture a little bit because you come from the culture yeah right and Avery and I actually when we when we do some talks around the subject of family engagement which we which we do how to um you know make parents how to make partners out of your parents Mm -hmm. right as from a teacher perspective but we also flip it around when we're talking to families about how do you make teachers your partners in this journey of educating your kids and, and a lot of the I think a lot of the disconnect that we see in education um, oftentimes comes from people uh, that don't understand the culture of a child or their family to understand how to resonate with them yeah. right or maybe not necessarily taking the time to try to understand a little bit more about the culture of the children that they're teaching so they can try to connect with their parents on that level. So, no, I, I totally, I totally, totally get that. Avery, I'll, I'll toss it back. To yeah, you. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll um, add to that. I think that that has been such a, for some, for people like us that deal with interpersonal relationships, yeah. the lack thereof um, has been the biggest adjustment. Because, yeah, like, as my dad alluded to and as you alluded to, like, being able to, I'm a, I'm the type of person that's, when I'm having a conversation with someone or specifically meeting someone for the first time, like, I am, I'm checking the temperature of the conversation, I'm checking in for their facial expressions, where, what kind of perks them up, what kind of makes them, like, slouch or maybe their voice uh, escalates when they're excited about something, or so all of that. Like having those those um, those nonverbal communication encounters, mm-hmm. uh, it's been tough. Mm-hmm. It's been tough to be able to to connect with people in a stronger way. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. I mean, we kind of ta- are talking about it right now. But what are some of the challenges that you um, have have felt uh, during this last you know fourteen months where Teaching has been different than it ever has been before. At least, at least at the young level. Like maybe yeah. in college, we might have taken some online classes, and that was that. But by that point, you're 18 plus, and you know you have a, a sense of how to manage your your time and manage your life and, and handle responsibilities. But like, 
yeah, you know, man, talk this, through what I it's can, like. <laughs> man, I could give you such a loaded response. Um, <laughs> you know, one word you did say that that, that rung a bell was connection. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me, that's that's like the main joy of teaching mm-hmm. is connecting with the kids. Uh, you know, even though that may be a little selfish on my behalf, it just I love connecting with them yeah. and 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 developing that relationship because sometimes they don't have a positive relationship. or they may not have many positive relationships yeah. mm-hmm. in their life. So, you know, connecting with them is is vital. Um, so that was obviously harder because you're you're not able to pick up on body language, yeah. mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. nonverbal cues that you usually can use to help build relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, the second thing, like as a teacher, you know, we're responsible for them meeting certain state standards, mm. um, which, you know, uh, teaching fourth graders about, you know, ge- uh, uh, geometry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's a little, t- you know, or fractions or decimals. That's tough. That's mm-hmm. tough. And I don't even blame them because in some of my meetings, my camera is off and I'm looking at things on my phone. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm we're all human so I understand you get burnt out especially in this kind of situation so I can't even really be mad at them all the time even though I am (laughs) I get mad at them still and I'll be doing the same thing so you got to kind of step back and and look at yourself and say wow you know I can't be hypocritical because you know we're all we're doing some of the same things Um, but definitely you know not being able to teach and having uh, you know just like a whiteboard yeah. that I could yeah. <laughs> write on at will. Um, mm. And then, uh, yeah, so the connection, the teaching. I mean, that's pretty much that's, the job, I mean, right? that's, pretty <laughs> much that's all teaching is yeah. <laughs> yeah. when it comes down to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's those are pretty much the two things do which embodies a lot. Do you feel like it's... Um, you know, and maybe this is an exaggeration, but do you feel like it's kind of turned you off of teaching? Oh yeah, I was. I put in my letter of resignation, uh, but I did come back. Mm-hmm. I am coming back next year. I put in my letter uh, wow. not to quit mid year. I would never do that to a group of kids. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say this is this is my last year. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, man, when teaching is already hard, mm-hmm. but the payoff is awesome when you make those connections. Yeah, and, and you can see that a kid get something he has she has that epiphany you know um but you know uh yeah without that you know without that it's like where's my fuel what am i going on here Mm -hmm. money you know money money comes and goes like you know that's not going to fuel me to stay somewhere Mm -hmm. uh and so if i wasn't having those other things that kept me that attracted me to teaching in the first place it's Mm kind of like what am i doing this for Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, you know, we're <laughs> we're talking now, and and uh, Trey and I were talking earlier before this episode, um, and and I was during this past year, uh, really kind of reflecting and contemplating on like what we're doing as a business as speakers, and I'm just like, yo, like. You know, we and not aside from the fact that we weren't able to have like a lot of in person events, but like not not being able to feel like I was connecting mm-hmm. with people, like mm-hmm. that's such a the, that's that's why I started doing this is mm-hmm. feeling like I was able to 
talk to people, connect with people, help people. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, when you do it in front of an audience, that's one thing. But especially, like, after the event. Sure. Like, after the event, when you're able to, like, talk to people and they're able to tell you straight up right then and there, this is what I really, you know, received mm-hmm. what you were saying. And there wasn't a lot of that, and and um, you know it just it made it tough. It made yeah. it it made me you know really think about like, man, like how how much longer mm-hmm. am I going to like sit through this before we can start to see that the grass is greener on the other side type mm-hmm. of situation? Mm-hmm. And fortunately, it's looking like that. Fortunately, yeah. um, as we're sitting here heading into the summer of 2021, it's starting to look like okay, like. Things are going to start to return to maybe in-person events. School might be returning to in-person in the fall, knock on wood. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's been tough. You know, I think a lot of people, it's made people really reflect on why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what, yeah. what, yeah. where am I putting my time yeah. towards? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, personally, I think there was a point. Uh, when as as we started this company and we started doing the Avery and Brian experience, um, I, that was that was the switch in my mind where it was like I'm not doing anything else if I'm not gonna put my all into it type of sort of thing, and then but when like and so <laughs> uh, you know my my dad knows this but I was still working at like a restaurant job up until the end of 2019, and that was kind of like. Like that was kind of like my aunt, uh, my, I don't know how to say it, but it was preventing me from going all in. Mm-hmm. It was the thing that I was just holding on to yeah. because I knew like it was like a steady paycheck. Yeah. It was paying security bills. Bucket. It was security, mm-hmm. but it was still preventing me from going all in because I was giving 20, 25, 30 hours a week working at a restaurant job. And so then finally like letting go of that and like going all in and going full throttle with this business. And then three months four months later boom pandemic happens and it was just like a whirlwind of emotions there was like six months there where it was like you know i'm 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 feeling like i'm freed up to to go accomplish and conquer the world to oh like are we still gonna have a business come six months from now like and uh so yeah man like like having that um, roller coaster of emotions of like I'm all in and then like let me take the foot off the gas pedal yeah. you know I mean we know like our website we were we were days maybe uh, we were a signature away from starting this process of rehauling our website mm-hmm. which was going to be like a really big expense for us yeah. but we were doing that because we knew and and we know to this day like that can help you know generate business for us but we were we pulled the plug on that quick, quick, <laughs> yeah. quick, because yeah. it came to it, it was in late February, yeah. early March, mm-hmm. and then we. I remember uh, a couple of conferences got canceled, not related to us speaking, but we were like, Comic Con is canceled. Oh, oh snap! Like yeah. this other big conference yeah. is canceled. So it started like getting serious real quick. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just reflecting on that and thinking about. Um, you know everything that's transpired over the last 15 months it it gives you a lot of perspective and i don't know if it's better perspective or worse perspective but it just gives you a perspective of like okay like this stuff could really just like end yeah like or, or our normalcy can just change sure. uh at the snap of a finger in the course yeah. of two weeks so mm-hmm. yeah well you know it's it's 
It's interesting, uh, Trey, that, you know, you joining us today when we're talking about pandemic, we're talking about, you know, your journey as a teacher. And, you know, we can see on the news over the last year how difficult education has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we could see how um, young black and brown kids are struggling a little bit more than other kids because of perhaps resources. You go to this virtual world. Um, a lot of people don't have the inter- the the access to the internet or the speeds that you need to have in yeah. order to. How 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 is that? Um, if you could just kind of share a little bit, how, how what's that challenge been like? You know, you 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 add that challenge to just regular teaching, but now you go to this virtual world. Have you had a lot of kids that just did not have the access to the online? Um, you know, training um, portals, or maybe they don't have the bandwidth for wherever they live. Have you been experiencing uh, that? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's actually a huge uh, topic. Is uh, it's called the digital divide, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, wow. let me figure this. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital divide, and that's basically like um, you know this, you know demographic of kids primarily low-income kids mm-hmm. and we know what low-income entails mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know they don't have a computer most of them do- may not have a computer at home right and if they do have a computer they may not have internet mm-hmm. right um, and so those kids that have never had a you know uh, uh, a computer or some kind of technology in their house they're already behind right you know what I'm saying mm-hmm before the pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> because once you get to college or even in high school you're going to have to know how to type you're going to have to know how to send emails and mm-hmm. and, and and research on the web you know mm-hmm. um, so those kids were already behind pandemic come yeah you know yeah yeah I mean, you're talking at least at least uh the the the, the silver lining in it was at least these kids now are getting a chance to interact with this technology but yeah. they were now it shows how big the digital divide, mm-hmm. how big of a problem that is. Yeah. You know? Um, and it shows in the classroom uh, uh, that, you know, a lot, uh, uh, at least kids in my school, mm-hmm. like they don't have the same competence as some of the kids in the hills or mm-hmm. some of the kids in other cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that affects test scores, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That affects their ability to learn, mm-hmm. you know, because they're so focused on trying to, you know, uh, use a computer correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. What's the What's the challenge has been like for parents? Uh, oh. I, I, yeah, I mean, if you could, you know, I mean, just, we like I said, you know, I, you see the news, you can read articles. Now, my mother was a teacher. Uh-huh. Uh, my father was a teacher. I don't know. Just thinking about my mother. Had my mother had to experience something like this, man. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I just don't know where this would go, man. I mean, she was. You know, she she had to do the in in person thing. Just her style of teaching wasn't gonna allow anything. And we could talk about the adventure of a mother in the classroom a whole another time. Man, that would be a comedy series, uh, a comedy podcast. <laughs> well, we could what, like, what's one example? What do you what are you referring to? Well, you know, she's old school, right? My my mother was a teacher in the '60s and in the oh, wow. '70s and and, uh, and and early part of the '80s, and so. You know, she didn't play. And, you know, I mean, we could talk about a kid's mother bringing a birthday cake to the classroom uh, to celebrate his birthday with the classmates and the kid cuts up. So my mother, 
gives everybody a piece of his birthday cake except for the birthday kid, right? That was just how she rolled, right? It's like, you know, she was a disciplinarian like that and just couldn't wait to, you know, tell the mom when she came back, hey, thank you for the birthday cake. His piece is still in, you know, the the uh, the, the carton here because he didn't get a chance to participate. And so, you know, she was just... Um, she was a great teacher. She knew how to she knew how to teach. The kids that came into her classroom left ready to go into the next grade, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. she was just that old school. And I, I think as teachers, you have to miss that. I'm sure that was a challenge uh, above and beyond uh, for you. But for parents, talk a little bit if you can about Man. you know what you think they've been feeling what they've been going through obviously you know perhaps their jobs have been impacted by the pandemic or or if not they're working at home and then you gotta you know you gotta do this whole new thing of your kids at home when you're at home so what kind of experiences you know have you had with them regarding that wow um so two things Mm -hmm. first of all i have to admit i feel like i dropped the ball in terms of communicating with parents. All right, okay, all right. Because I was trying so hard to teach, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of my energy and time went into that. Mm-hmm. And the energy that I did have when I reached out to parents was not reciprocated. Mm. I felt like, mm. you know, first three months I was hitting parents up, you know, hey, do they have this? You know, hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a program you can sign up, and I barely got responses back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually, I you know, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to waste any more energy doing this. Yeah. And I think that's where I messed up. I mm-hmm. should have I should have taken a different approach. Uh-huh. I should have uh, you know adapted and found a way mm-hmm. to where we could have communicated better. Mm-hmm. So I'll work on that in, in year mm-hmm. two. Yeah. That'd be something to to, to capitalize yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is I have a lot of English learners at my school. Okay. Where uh, about, I think 70% of our school, uh, the the families are Spanish speaking. Okay. Um, And uh, I would say, yeah, it's probably about the same in my class. The majority of my parents only speak Spanish. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's obviously a a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. That could be challenging. Yeah. Um, So... That was rough. That was really, really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, kind of going back to that theme of connections. Yeah. You know, you have all these things that are disconnecting you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and language was just another one of those things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was tough. But, you know, there's three spheres of influence in school. Mm. Um, the child. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. They're 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 being the one being influenced. Yeah. The parents, mm-hmm. the school, and the teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I be I may be mixing up my theory here. <laughs> that's quite all right. Sorry, USC. We I have, messed up the theory. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. But the two that I wanted to address were. I mean, we know you went there, man, because yeah. you have student loans that you're paying off. <laughs> For real. Um, but um, one of the spheres are our parents, right? Mm-hmm. And a kid benefits so much when the parent is heavily involved in the yes, school. Sir. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Those mm-hmm. those parents that come to all the PTSA yeah. meetings mm-hmm. or are maybe doing papers for for the office, their kid nine times out of ten is a is a is a on a roll. Yes. Yep. Yes. They're on top of it. You know. So. Well, I think part of that is because 
as children, when you see it, and this is something that we talk about, mm-hmm. Pops, when we talk to organizations about family engagement, one of the things we say, family engagement in school starts with family engagement at home. Yep. And when, as a child, like, I knew that I needed to do well in school because my parents cared mm-hmm. so much about school. Yeah. Like, it was, there was always... How did the class go? What was school like today? How did you do on that test? What projects do you have coming up? And there was always like, so I didn't really have any choice but to care because I cared so much about what my parents thought. I mean, I was a kid, you know, where we care about what our parents think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it, it's just, I, I think it's so important. Like you, everything you're saying, I just, I, when I hear that, um, it it affirms what everything we've been saying. Yeah, I mean how, how how you know the fact that you and your brother would look up and it's like, damn, my parents are here again. Like, why are they at the school? Why do they know the principal so well? Why are they holding these side conversations? You know, and you probably in your mind thinking like, man, these like how do they know so much, right? And that's part of it, right? That's the family engagement aspect that we. That we talk about what you're talking about, Trey. How kids do better when they're when their parents are gay. So yeah, absolutely. That that affirms that. But you know, I live that raising y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did want to add one more thing. Is at my school specifically, and this this you know, speaking of like parents and how uh, they have been affected during uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. in terms of you know the education with their child. Mm-hmm. A lot of our parents at our schools. Um, you know, at my school, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of them are a single parent household, mm-hmm. no household, homeless, yeah, um, working multiple jobs, yeah, and so you know, some of the kids that would really act out, although as a you know, as somewhat of a you know, a, a strict you know, disciplinary teacher like your mom, mm-hmm. like you want to get on them, but you have to recognize yeah. like that that. That mm. life at home is so different now because now they're there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the mom may not be there or she may be at work. Um, mm. And so they may be at their grandma's house. They may be at a daycare. They may be at their neighbor's house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The rules are just different. Yeah. And they're, they're, they, yeah. So that, that's another thing I just want to throw in there. Yeah. Is, is a lot yeah. of the parents are not even able to be there. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a friend whose wife is a um, she's an elementary school teacher as well. She's been a teacher for over ten years now, and uh, he told me, I want to say maybe last September, October, he said that his wife told him that she's working harder as a teacher now than she's ever had to because of this virtual learning space. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and d- d- just the different challenges that come with that. Um, not being in the classroom. I mean, she's just kind of like, I just feel like I have so much more to do than I, than I normally had to. Yeah. Uh, in the classroom, so kudos to to all of you teachers, yeah, uh, for hanging in because I just I I can't imagine I in order to teach I I just believe that you really have to love mm-hmm. what you do. I think yes. it's one of those occupations yeah. that like you don't go into that unless you really are passionate about the ability to. 
uh, impact young people's lives and to help them learn and to help them, uh, you know, as they're transitioning through elementary school, middle school, high school, you, that's just an occupation that you don't just fall in because you definitely ain't falling into saying, you know, well, why do you want to be a teacher? Or oh, I want to make all this bread that's available. Yeah, to me. Oh boy, <laughs> 40, 40 plus, forty six thousand a year. <laughs> so that's not where you, you know, that's that's not why you do what you do. And so I just uh, money that is. And so I just. You know, I just kudos to to teachers for hanging in and 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 dealing with all of the things that the politics that are happening at oh, levels. <laughs> I wasn't and, expecting that. Oh, well, yeah, that. right. So you know, and it, so it's just a tough time. I do hope, as Avery said earlier, that 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 kids can get back into the classroom, teachers can get back into the classroom and be able to to do what it is they do and perhaps this will help a lot of parents um and i also my hope is that a lot of parents will now come out uh, on the other side with an understanding of how important their teachers are mm -hmm. to their children mm -hmm. uh and you know because like a lot of parents are getting a taste of like oh my god i like i'm doing i'm actually co-teaching in some ways because they're having to do that to help these kids in this virtual space so i hope that parents have a lot more respect for the 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 roles that teachers have to play uh in their children's lives and in society period and you know, maybe decide to, you know, give them a helping hand moving forward and yeah. being that engaged yeah. mother or father or both <clears throat> uh, in order to partner with the teacher to make yeah. sure that their kid's education um, is happening, you know, in as best that, as it can. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Do you think that, and maybe you can answer it from your school's perspectively from your school perspective uh, specifically excuse me your school specifically um or just the general public school system but do you think that schools responded well like in hindsight now that we're a year removed from what happened like the transition into pandemic was there, are there any like growth areas that you can point to, to say this would have helped a lot at the beginning? Um, and if there isn't like that, that, that could be the case too, because we're kind of still in the midst yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I think overall in retrospect, I think we did, a, I think we did an okay job, you know, um, at responding to this whole thing. Uh, originally, the, the when I was at the charter school, when it first hit, mm -hmm. um, we were we gave them packets and we had to call each student uh, every day. Um, we'd mm. say, "Okay, what problem are you on? Read this." Hmm. And we literally have like you know thirty minute conversation with mm -hmm. each kid. Mm -hmm. uh, we it would be half the class uh, each day, mm -hmm. um, which was a time consuming response, uh, but it it got the job done. Mm -hmm. And then. Um, once a lot of schools recognize like hey we can use zoom like this is something that we can use mm -hmm. it was very rough in the beginning i didn't like doing it yeah um but it was a good response it was a lot better than you know here's a packet when this thing is over we're gonna give you some credit for it yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I'm saying? yeah. so i think we did a, a, a 
I don't want to say a good job yeah. because there were a lot of areas to improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we responded uh, pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was new it was to new. the world, yeah, right? I mean, you know, yeah. who, who knew how to, uh, you know, adapt to what was happening? I mean, I, that's from education to the corporate workspace to uh, churches, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I mean, everybody was, the government, everybody was trying to figure out how to do this thing. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think some, I think some people were probably a little bit more, um, harsher on themselves than they, they needed to be initially yeah. because it's, it's, you know, no, I mean, look, this, the last one of these things happened a hundred years ago. <laughs> like none of us were alive. None of sure. us were living through through that. I mean, there's a what's the? I think you brought it to my attention, Avery. Somebody, uh, or might have been your brother, but somebody who survived the the pandemic in 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 nineteen oh, uh, eighteen, like, and yeah. she still lived to, through. She's still alive now. Wow. So I mean, she's seen two of these in her lifetime, right? But there's probably but, like twelve people in the world. Right, that's that, what I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah, and so nobody knew how to do it. So I, I think. Now, look, moving forward, we're a year into this thing. From a teaching perspective, when the new school year starts, like if if, if people ain't on their job and handling business, then I think that's a that's an issue. You know, yeah. I, fortunately for for me, obviously Avery and Justin are growing. I couldn't imagine being a parent right now mm-hmm. um, to have kids going mm-hmm. through this. Yeah. You know, whether elementary school kids or whether you have that high school senior that missed every significant event in their senior year. Yeah. Right. Um, And even, even if as a junior, when the pandemic started, where your junior prom was shut down. And if you were an athlete or a band member or a cheerleader, whatever the, all that stuff gets shut down your junior year. And you're like praying that by the time I'm a senior, these get so they've kind of went, you know, through yeah. it twice, yeah. right? And so I can't imagine what it would be like to be a parent right now having to um, guide your children mm. through this particular point and time of their lives where, you know, you want to let them know this too shall pass and it will. Um, and, and that you still have an opportunity uh, moving forward to make your mark on the world and other events are going to happen in your life that, um, you know, perhaps are, are, are going to be as meaningful, but you just, you can't get back your senior year of high school. You can't, you can't get back your senior year of college. Like yeah. you put in all this work and you can't, your parents and your family can't come and celebrate you, you know, getting your, 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 your degree in college. That's just, yeah, it's unfathomable yeah. to me how you do that, you know, so for Justin, for you know, for Avery's uh, brother, he graduated in 2019. You you graduated uh, for, uh, from USC in 2019, correct? Yeah, but we didn't have the, the ceremony was going to be in 2020, so I never got. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. all right. So, yeah. so did you miss that? I missed it. Did you? Yeah. I mean, what, they they had a makeup one, I think, last week, but did they? It was, it was like only two people or something. Ah, yeah. uh, you know, I just it's it's over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's over. Here's your check. Here's yeah. the check for yeah. my 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 student <laughs> yeah. uh, loans. But yeah, so that was tough. And I and I and I because I've talked to Justin about this, and you know we had such a 
a wonderful time at his graduation in 2019. I mean, it was just a beautiful weekend, right? You sure? At USC? At UCLA? It was a beautiful brewing weekend, Fred. It was a beautiful blue and gold weekend. It was not a Trojan weekend. But but the fact is that we, we so enjoyed that. And then for, you know, his 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 classmates that were a year behind him the following year to just not experience any of that. It's just, it's heartbreaking and yeah, it's it hard, yeah. you know? So yeah. I guess that, let me kind of transition the conversation a little bit to, to, to you two uh, and more specifically your age group, mm. right? As, as, as young people in their mid twenties and not being able to, you know, to kick it the way that you are used to doing in your mid twenties, whether it's, you know, going and hanging out at some bars with your friends, uh, going to some clubs, you know, um, sporting events, the concerts, all that kind of, how y'all do, right? We didn't talk about from a teacher perspective. Yeah. And we didn't talk about from uh, Avery, me and you from the standpoint of, you know, our business as speakers and workshop um, facilitators. And like, we've weathered that and we're yeah. kind of coming out on the other side of it, we just were booked for for our first two in-person events in the month of August, one here in California, one in Ohio, we're right. flying back to Ohio. But how how are y'all managing this? What's your, your mental, physical, <laughs> spiritual, emotional, you know, right now? And, and, yeah. and for the purposes of this conversation, compare it to last May. Where you were last May and where you are now in this journey, Trey. I see you yeah. got a beard that's yeah. Go ahead, y'all. Just chop it up. You know, um, overall, I've, I've kind of loved it. You know, because mm. I feel like I've slowly become more introverted. Yes. Um, Same. And you know, I was always kind of like that, but every two or three weeks, I'm like, all right, time to go out and kick it with some friends. Um, but you said something earlier, Avery, where you talked about, um, you kind of get to sit back and gauge your life and be like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like that question hit me. Mm. Um, and specifically in a sense of drinking and smoking, mm -hmm. I can be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which I, I, I was, what is it? I haven't done it since December mm -hmm. and I, I, I just wanted to see what a year of that would do for me. Yeah. Um, and I've never been more productive in my life. Mm. And I just, I, I want to wake up and do, I want to just tackle each day as hard as I can. Okay. And I like it and it's exciting to me. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a rush, mm. you know? Um, and I feel like that's kind of what the pandemic has slowly been doing for me. I'm starting to find out, um, you know, uh, things that I enjoy doing outside of going to the bar and going to the club, mm -hmm. kicking with my friends mm -hmm. and living for Saturday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, throughout the pandemic, luckily right before the pandemic hit, I started going to therapy, which was really, mm. really good. Major. Mm. Uh, encourage everybody to do that. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. Uh, go, go, go get you a therapist. Um, so that was helpful mm -hmm. in the yeah. first couple months mm -hmm. uh, because I had him and he, um, you know, just kind of taught me how 
to think mm-hmm. and how to recognize my own thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that may have been the catalyst for me wanting to, you know, start tackling my days mm-hmm. because I, 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 I just was more aware of what I want to, what I, I want to get out of life. Cause yeah. you know, we're only here for so, for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and why not live the life that you want to live and, you know, go, Go forward with it confidently. Yeah. Give it your all. You yeah. Know? And I think that that, yeah, like that, that especially, um, just like understanding, I think that that, that perspective wasn't necessarily gained, but it was heightened for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, like if you're not actively trying to, <laughs> it's cliche at this point, but live your best life. Like if you're not actively trying yeah. to, whether it's self-improvement whether it's goal orientation, whether it's fitness and physique, like whatever it is, like become rooted in that, like really, really center yourself um, around that because yeah, like all of our distractions, so much of our distractions were taken away or they were limited or, I mean, I'm a huge concert goer, music festival goer, like, like not having that going through a whole summer and not even being able to go see a live show. That must have been depressing for you. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Yeah. It was just like, I, I like that's such great enjoyment for me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that... What was the last concert or music festival that you were able to go to before the pandemic? The last concert I went to was an Earth Gang show. Um, Earth Gang and then Mick Jenkins opened up for the, for him. Okay. Uh, Earth Gang, they're, they're a rap duo. Okay. Uh, based out of Atlanta, and they they have really great energy, high intensity. Was that here in Sacramento? It was. It okay. was. So that was in January of 2020. Okay. Um. Uh. Prior to that, I actually was. I went to a music festival in Vegas. Okay. Um. Back in 2019, and it's really funny because like last November as you get like your social media memories and they'll like highlight things Uh, that happened the year before. And I'm like looking at that, like, wow, like Mm. what a, what a novel idea to like go attend (laughs) with so many people. Like, Oh my God, these are thousands of people. Why are we so close to each other? Where are we? Like all of these things. And I'm just like, bruh, like this is, this is insane. Um, just the, the switch, like what can happen? Obviously it wasn't even a year, but like, what can happen yeah. and how life can be so different. Yeah. And um, for me, it was, you know, actually, I, for me, it's it's pretty, it's kind of complex and dynamic because I feel like a year ago, here we are in May 2021. Mm-hmm. And a year ago, you know, I would actually say that um, I was just starting to figure out kind of how to cope. Mm. in in pandemic mm-hmm. and and then it, it, it's this month it's a year uh a year ago this month but the george floyd incident happened okay mm. and like that took me on a whirlwind throughout the whole summer throughout the whole rest of 2020 where it was like i i don't even think i've ever been like mentally i have not been as um how should i say this as just kind of like tranquil Oh. I have not been, and and even then, like like a haze. Yeah, yeah. Like even even through last, you know, March, April, May, when everything was going so fast. At least I had the like comfort and the solace of knowing that like it felt like we were all kind of in this together, mm, mm, and that you. was helping me get through it. Like mm-hmm. a year ago at this time, and then 
again, like once the George Floyd thing happened, um, on, and honestly, I was talking to Trey about this earlier, but the Ahmad Arbery mm-hmm. murder, sure. um, those things, like those things, I felt like those, you know, set me off to a point where it was like, I'm not, I'm not going back to just that like chill, like it's all kosher, it's all good, it's mm-hmm. gravy, like. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was um, so, like, torn, just so deeply emotionally, like, invested Mm -hmm. into a lot of different things going Mm -hmm. on, into a lot of different um, social justice opportunities and campaigns. So, I actually think about a year ago today, and I'm like, dang, like... (laughs) What a what a time! Yeah. yeah. Um. Before before kind of things just even got they went even crazier and, yeah. and things got even more escalated. So, mm-hmm. um. I'm happy to hear to, to hear that you said you got into therapy. Mm-hmm. Um. Right before right before pandemic. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what led you to that and and. Does it, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, does it hit the same, you know, a year later in pandemic? If you're still, you know, going regularly, if you're still. Yeah, I'm not going anymore. I went for about half a year. Okay. Um, And I think, um, you know, at the time I was going to therapy because as a black male, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, uh, let alone just a person, you already have a whole lot of like anxiety and things that yeah, you have to deal sure. with. But I was getting a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with conforming to what it is to be a black male. You know okay. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of sexuality, masculinity, mm-hmm. um, you know, your politics, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, your money, you know, and all of that. How does that influence or how, how, how do you... You know, do you fit in the box, basically? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I just wanted to be more comfortable with who I am mm-hmm. and, and, and and say regardless of how the the, the, the black male that I am, mm-hmm. like I'm gonna exist and I don't care what anybody says about mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. being comfortable in my own skin. That was a real reason I went to mm. to therapy. Uh, because I felt like it was giving me a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Um, but once you deal with that yeah. Um, and you, you, you tackle it head on, mm-hmm. you kind of are just, you know, um, no, the world's just a little looser. Well, yeah, yeah. I, no, I appreciate you, you know, describing what took you there and why you felt it was necessary to do that for you. And like you said earlier, I do encourage people to seek therapy. I certainly encourage black and brown people who deal with a lot of trauma that, uh, that, you know, a lot of folks in society don't understand the trauma that comes with being black or brown in America. Uh, and then being a, a, a male on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there, there are a ton of things that people don't realize or recognize from, um, outright overt, things that take place to microaggressions that are constantly taking place. And so mm-hmm. we actually did a, a, a podcast on therapy maybe about five or six months ago mm-hmm. uh, where we talked about that, where Avery was kind of asking me, you know, my experience with therapy. Mm. And it's just um, 
so important that that we're able to um, seek some help. Uh, yeah. You know, I've had the experience in my life and talking to a lot of my peers uh, about therapy, and I often will get the "I'm not crazy" mm. response mm. back, where it's just kind of like like you're yeah. so missing the point. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're so yeah. so missing yeah. the point. This is not an indictment on no, you right. as an individual, right. saying like you're a lost cause. Like, and and and, I, and and I and I've said this for the last twenty years in my life. Everybody has issues. Mm-hmm. Everybody has issues. And it's up to the person in the mirror to acknowledge whatever the issues are and then try to deal with them, right? Yeah. But yeah. we, you know, we, we tend to ignore it uh, so many times. The last thing I'll just say on this is you, you talked about um, how this has been good for you. The pandemic mm-hmm. has been good for you in terms of kind of some recognition of yourself and some self-discovery and so forth and so on. I really do appreciate that because one of the things that Avery and I um, constantly talk about is um, self-awareness and the need to go on a journey of self-awareness because it's so, uh, it's one of the most important aspects. I actually believe it's the most important aspect of, of personal and of professional growth and development because until you know the person in the mirror and and are truly connected to those beliefs those values those habits those emotions those needs mm-hmm. you know until you understand and have the knowledge and the awareness of of your personality and your character it's very difficult for you to um move forward in life yeah <laughs> i mean it it just is right and so i can appreciate you saying that and kudos to you for starting that journey you too avery and that, yeah. i tell you this all the time but kudos to you for starting that journey at an early age because as you guys like move through life um when you have an understanding of appreciation you were talking about i, I forget you said something about asking the question or something but one of the questions and one of the exercises Avery and I always do uh, when we speak to groups of people and we're talking about uh, self-awareness and self-discovery, we ask the question, who are you? Mm. Right. And it's a question that people don't ask themselves often enough. It's actually funny because just yesterday I did a virtual session um, for Oracle. Oh wow! And the 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 session was um, entitled Three Keys to Building Better Connections," and one of the keys is developing your self awareness. Mm. And so I take them through. I took them through this exercise called "Who Are You?" Where and for everybody listening to this, I encourage you to do this. But I also encourage you to go to AveryandBrian.com <laughs> to the free stuff Facts. tab on Facts. our website and. There's, we've created a self-development library for you where you have some tools that you could do this stuff. Right. But who are you is simply an exercise we do where we give someone 60 seconds to ask the other person the question, who are you? When the person answers the question, one or two word answer, then they're asked again, who are you? And then they give the answer and then they're asked again until the 60 seconds rolls out. What normally happens is about 30 seconds in, people start struggling Mm -hmm. to answer that question, Mm -hmm. right? Which is kind of the point. Mm 
Most people don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask, is it, what is their typical response? Is it, like, do they start off with their job? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll throw that to Avery, and Avery can kind of talk about that. Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember what yesterday's response were yeah. with those two folks, but you can talk about that and what they normally say in our session. Well, I think that is great that you asked that question because that's exactly what we have people ask themselves is after you go through the exercise, think about and actually like analyze how did you answer the question? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you view yourself? Yeah. So then you're able to understand, okay, do I like myself? <laughs> like, like, that's a really good question yeah. because we've had, we've had people respond with, I don't like, myself. I don't like myself. Yeah. And, and I, and I loved it because it was so honest. It was so honest. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, like, that question is so, like, when I heard it, I got a little, like, anxious. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little like, scared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Who I could just imagine you? some yeah. of the responses in there. It's probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I think it's very interesting when you, when people realize, like, like yesterday on the call, uh, one of the, one of the people that, um, played a role in the activity, she was like, I, I realized that I was like, I was like describing myself as if I was on a resume and like that's immediately who she was describing and so um, it's very interesting to yes to witness people go through the exercise to go through the exercise uh, ourselves Mm -hmm. because it does force us to kind of get creative and understand and like and even analyze deeper who you are but yeah like knowing if you're starting to describe yourself as you know oh i'm a hr specialist i'm a teacher i'm a principal like if that's the first thing that you describe yourself as that that may be the case but like is that who you is that really like the first thing that you think of yourself as like is there is there any other component or aspect about you that you would highlight first yeah before your job and and then like I mean again it creates it's about going down that rabbit hole yeah. it really is about a journey of self exploration yeah. um so yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a very powerful exercise I'm so I'm so thankful that you know you introduced me to that yeah. exercise pops because no it's really it I mean it, it's one of those things where you 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 stop to think about it um, and we should probably. You know, like we take our car in for checkups or we go to the doctor for checkups. You probably need to be doing that quarterly, mm-hmm. right? You probably need to be doing that quarterly, yeah. either with someone who's important in your life. You know, you can go through that exercise with them. Mm-hmm. Or quite frankly, you can do it on your own in the mirror, in the bathroom mm-hmm. to just kind of say, to, to kind of gauge like, have I grown? Yeah. Like, am I am I further along? You know, than I was six months ago in, in, in trying to, like, you know, figure out why I do the things that I do. Yeah. Right. And and that's all that's all part of it. I, I think a, I think a good segue um, question for the two of you, because I asked you how both of you dealt with this mm-hmm. um, during this during this time. What about your your friends, you know, your tribe, your community that you tend to hang out with? How do you feel that your friends have weathered this? Mm hmm. Well, I think uh, I think it's it depends on which friend. Like, mm-hmm. there's such a sure. wide right. variety of how people have been um, responding, and 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 honestly, um, you know, it's kind of in some regards created a, a bit of a divide um, mm-hmm. amongst 
you know, not only just my friends, but like people that I know used to associate with other people mm-hmm. and they don't associate them with, with them anymore. And, and so, um, I think it's hard to, it's just hard to, to, to generalize how my friends have been doing because I really know friends that, um, they've been on this roller coaster of, they lost their job either early on in pandemic. I have some friends that lost their job later in mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that, that affected both of those parties in different ways because it was like, okay, for the people that had lost their job at the beginning of the pandemic, they, like, the reset button was hit for them. Mm. And then if you kind of went through the year and then you got to, like, August, September, October, and then your company was like, look, we can't. And now it, it felt like like they were catching up to those that had kind of already gone through mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. six months prior. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's just people dealing with jobs, not even talking about people uh, dealing with uh, mental health concerns, a lot more conversations around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, becoming more aware, taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I I'm, think, glad, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm glad you said there's a lot more conversations around the mental health aspect because, um, you know, if the pandemic... You know, I think there's some good things that have come out of this, too. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's revealed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I think that if young people um, are discussion, discussing mental health issues, I think that that's great. Because, I mean, you know I'm a proponent of people having open conversations about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that oftentimes, you know, f- folks will not... Uh, reveal issues that they're having if they don't feel like that there's a, a listening ear for okay. them. Mm-hmm. And I think when when you are able to to, to jump into conversations like that mm-hmm. amongst your peer group, uh, uh, some people who, you know, may not verbalize this, but may be thinking like, oh, this is good. I'm not alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that that's major. But well, and that's, I mean, to, to that point, that's kind of what I was feeling. I described earlier. That's what I was feeling about the pandemic as a whole for through the first six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. two months of it was like, yeah, like a lot of people are being affected by this. So like it was, it was okay to talk about it because we were all in, in a certain capacity being affected by it. Um, and so from that standpoint, I'm very, uh, you know, it's encouraging to know that, like, yeah, we can we can discuss this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one of the things that you said, Trey, that has been um, something that I've been contemplating a lot is uh, you talked about how you decided at the beginning of this year you weren't going to drink and smoke. Mm-hmm. And and I and honestly, at the beginning of the pandemic, I acknowledged to my roommate very early on i was like oh this is going to change some of my habits to because you know i am such a social being like going out like to to going out to the bars to the clubs and stuff like that would be my time to go like you know indulge in drinking smoking and things like that um but it it I created a system for myself where I didn't even I didn't even desire to do that mm-hmm. when I was home or when mm-hmm. I was chilling out by myself when I was just chilling because I was such a social being like I knew I would eventually go out and I'd go see friends and yeah I'd have a drink and whatnot mm-hmm. but I told my roommate I was like yo this is gonna affect my habits mm-hmm. with that 
I, I knew it right then and there because I was like, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going out. Like, I'm not going to be able to see people. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Gonna, so, like, how am I going to then like, how, how am I going to kind of um, still like get that craving in? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I still going to yeah. feel like I'm being social and stuff? And and so, yeah, there's been times throughout the last year where it's like, like, I just have to like. Yo, I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. because it's like I just gotta adjust to how my body is responding to being inside or being in my bedroom 21 or 22 hours mm-hmm. out of the day. Mm-hmm. Like aside from the hour that I go outside to maybe go work at this community garden, mm-hmm. I'm inside. I'm working all day. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff. Um, it's yeah. It's been a lot of uh, analyzing and. And really being honest with myself mm-hmm. and having that conversation in the mirror about like, is this the rabbit hole that you're trying to go down right now? Like, yeah. are you just trying to lose all control? Mm-hmm. Because like, yes, I get it. You're bored right now. But yeah. does that mean that we just start drinking at, at 3.30 in the afternoon? Because, hey, it's happy hour, you know, like, no. So a lot of that (laughs) it's taken a lot a lot of self-discipline um and it's gonna take a lot more yeah you know one of the things that i always am aware of it's like with with my goals or with my checkpoints like it's one thing to obtain a goal it's another thing to maintain Mm -hmm. a goal yeah so it's like it's one thing to say i'm gonna get down to 175 pounds but it's another thing to stay at 175 pounds it's a battle you know and so that's 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 where um, I think a lot of just a lot of life has been revealing to me where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you got to really you got to stay with it through the process, mm-hmm. like through the entire journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I'll say before I, I hand it off to somebody else on that note, the process, I think. Uh, and I briefly just mentioned it, but I've been working at a community garden since last September. And it's really interesting because having never, ever ever had any desire to like really want to work in a garden or want a garden or want a farm or do anything like that but kind of being like thrusted into this role into this position um it's it has been uh such an amazing um like gift in my life to just experience what it's like to regularly go out and garden some things and then to see the benefits and to see the reward mm. of like your three or four months of weeding, planting, mulching, like finally composting. something makes sense. Yes. <laughs> and then you get you get rewarded with like these amazing butter crops. lettuce. Butter lettuce. <laughs> Butter lettuce. Butter lettuce. I'm, I'm going to eat so many BLTs with this butter lettuce. But, like, but yeah, I mean, you know, just seeing that, like seeing that literally transform in front of my eyes has just been like, man, like I can I can start to do this with myself. Mm. Like I can start to take these baby steps. I can start to do the weeding, the internal weeding mm. that comes with self-exploration. That's kind of basic, man. That's good. Oh my gosh. So many metaphors. Yeah. Like we've got this one weed, it's called Bermuda grass. And this stuff is so resilient. Like it doesn't die for 50 years. And when I say it doesn't die, I mean, if you took the root out of the ground mm-hmm. and let's say either you just put it on the ground somewhere else mm-hmm. or like it, it just like in the wind blew somewhere else. Right. It would literally replant itself 
Mm. and then create more Bermuda grass. Mm. And there's such a metaphor around that when we're dealing with, and it's and it's an undesirable thing. Mm. And so as we were out there weeding just earlier this week, I'm out there with uh, with Matt, who's the pastor of the church that I work at, and and he's just he's you know talking about the analogy of like this is you know for so many people like this is the um just like it epitomizes the level of discomfort that we were all experiencing over the last year it epitomizes the hate that we mm-hmm. witnessed during the last year um and it really does it, it, and it it just like put a picture to kind of like the emotions that I, I've been going through for for over a year now, and um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very um, and it's also something that as I'm doing it, like the more and more innate it feels, like it feels like okay, like like I'm actually doing something that's self sustainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be doing that exactly. Like it's such like, ironically, <laughs> me and my roommate started gardening like uh, uh, about five months ago. Yeah four months ago um and it feels so right yeah. <laughs> like i love i wake up every morning right before i go to work and i do my side of the garden yep and just you know doing the weeding and you know maintaining cutting cutting off you know flowers if it's flowering too soon yeah but, mm-hmm. you know and and sometimes like even just like i go out there and be barefoot and just like put my, my feet in the dirt and mm-hmm. grab the soil mm-hmm. and it just you feel connected you it's, know it saying? is it's a really it's fascinating yeah it's they talk about therapy if you too scared for real therapy <laughs> go, go go jump in the backyard <laughs> 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 go put your feet in some dirt <laughs> yo that's so real though it's yeah. so real I, I mean that. yeah like that's and that's one of the things that um, when we invite people into this space at this garden, it's like, look, if you're here and you just want to be off on your own and like you are kind of in your zone, like use this space as that. And I think for a lot of people, like I said, we um, I started working there in September and the church I work at took over the lease of this uh, fifth of an acre space. And at the at the beginning you know, of September, it was like. I, I was like jonesing to be able to like go out and do something and like make this a part of my routine. I didn't even care that it was gardening. Like I didn't even care that I didn't know anything about gardening, but it was the only place that I was like, okay, like, like I was really comfortable enough to just be like, all right, I'm gonna go like be with this random group of people. We were all outside. We were all like, we, we were all wearing masks and stuff. But it was just the camaraderie and the sense of connection and community, Mm. not only with the soil, but with people again. Mm. It was just like, wow. Like, and so we acknowledge that before each and every shift. We're like, we we ought to take time to acknowledge that this place has been a space for us Mm. to connect with others during Mm. this really just weird time of lack of connection. So it's been it's been a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You know, Bermuda grass. Bermuda. It's also called crabgrass. You may have heard of oh, it. It's crabgrass. Okay, yeah. right, right. And it's funny because uh, when I was out there with Chloe, who is the the main farm manager, mm-hmm. um, she was kind of uh, giving me the orientation of the space, and she was talking about how she just 
it's really therapeutic for her to like pull the weeds to like clean up the beds and get the stuff out of the yeah. get the bad stuff out of the soil and uh and i just laughed at her because i was like yeah my dad used to make me do this as punishment growing up so <laughs> this is really not therapy for me like i see these weeds and i'm triggered right now <laughs> that's, that's funny that is so Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So, so let's let's switch gears for for a moment and let's talk about uh, let's just talk about some sports. Let's okay. let's lighten the mood okay. a little bit. We yeah. can talk about we can talk about some sports in the in the pandemic. I know uh, Trey, as a Laker fan, you must be happy yes. with the. Yes. Uh, asterisk ring that they won uh, uh, in the bubble. That was a tough ring. That was a tough ring. <laughs> the bubble ring. That was a tough ring. <laughs> but uh, but at any rate, where where do you guys? How has sports played a role in your life during the pandemic? And I, before you answer it, I kind of just want to I kind of want to share this. Sports for me um, really helped me through through the pandemic it was really weird to not see people in in the stands Mm -hmm. right and at first my struggle with that was this doesn't even feel real Mm -hmm. or you know uh, to 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 make it a little a little bit more plain i felt like every game i was watching was an exhibition game yeah like it didn't count yeah right um because the audience wasn't there. The audience wasn't there. You yeah. didn't have any of the crowd noise or anything like that. But I, I must say, the NBA moving to the bubble in Florida was was the most therapeutic yeah. sports thing that happened to me last year because it it gave me like some hope. Yeah. Like you know, there is going to be some regular hoop, yes. or there is going to be some yeah. regular. You know, baseball. There is going to be the the baseball thing, the World Series thing. I think the Dodgers. I mean, like they can't help it, but they got their ring. But I always kind of <laughs> believe it's kind of like, yeah, but you know, it wasn't like that normal run. I think you got to consider maybe that that was also like could have played like a detriment to some. It could have been not having an audience would have been a detriment to some athletes. Yeah, because they build off that. Yeah. You know? So the True. Lakers ring does count. <laughs> he said all that to set that up, right? The Lakers ring does. Do you know how difficult it was for the Lakers to win that championship last year in the bubble? Yeah. No, but I, I, I just, you know, I just think that, you know, sports is such a powerful aspect of our um, of our society and, it, uh, and, and in many people's lives. Because it's that thing that kind of can take them away, yeah. right? The uh, you know, and my, my my favorite my favorite spectator sport in person is baseball. Mm. I can't wait to go to a baseball game. I think we're gonna go to one in about three yeah. weeks. I mm-hmm. think it is. Yeah. Um, so I can't wait to do that. But my favorite spectator sport, um, you know, on television and in some ways in person is college football. I just love to watch college football mm. and I love to attend college football games. And so I can't wait for that to kind of come back because even the college football thing this year was just kind of like, okay, yeah. like this conference played five games yeah. and this conference played seven games. And, you know, so it was just weird. But the NBA 
in a lot of ways really helped my mental mm -hmm. because I was actually really involved when playoff time came. I was like, oh, this feels like like regular season playoff stuff at like Miami and Boston last yeah. year in the playoffs. I'm like, oh, this is like a real yeah. thing, right? Denver and, and, and the Lakers. I'm like, oh, this is like Denver might have a shot, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, Trey. I mean, they worked <laughs> out for you. But the fact of the matter is it was just kind of like I was rooting for Denver. I was like, oh, I don't think it like, like beat. I want to see these young fellas yeah. do their <laughs> thing, right? So how did sports play a role, if any, uh, for you guys during, during the, the pandemic? In the, 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 I should say in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was the same thing. It was therapeutic. You know, um, I think that UFC could do a couple things differently. Mm. And we I'm not going to get into that now. Mm. But they did a great job at hosting events mm. in a COVID compliant manner. And so on the weekends where I couldn't go out, you know, I was excited to watch a fight night. Yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? Okay. And I kind of... I missed the crowd, so it was really cool to like see this last card with the crowd. Like, yeah. It felt really good. It mm. felt good. So what are they doing now? Are they like back to full capacity? Oh, yeah. In Florida, though. Oh, okay. Well, you well, know, Florida's Vegas, cases. Right? Right? That makes sense. Huh? And in Vegas? I think their next one may be in Vegas. I don't know. Mm. Or Arizona, something okay. like that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, you know, I still think that we need to be cautious about that. Sure, of course. Not, not, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to slide back. Exactly. Right? We want, yeah. like, some regular sports with people in the stands yeah, and some crowd yeah. noise on. So I agree with you. But go ahead, continue. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, it was good to see that. And I really, I, I, I kind of liked the rawness of it. Yes. With it being so quiet, yes. you know. You could hear, um, you yeah, hear you the could, coaches. You could hear the coaches. You could hear you all could, the profanity you could, on, yeah, you could hear on the profanity, the, the grunts, yes. you know, all that stuff. Uh, I thought was it was, was a, It was a different experience. Yeah, it was. It, it, was, was. it was almost like, it was kind of like, Making it was almost like VR. It was almost <laughs> like putting you in the octagon reality. Because like you really can't with the, especially for UFC specifically yeah. or MMA, like you can't you can't hear the same sounds that we were hearing when there was no fans. Like yeah. the fans are always crowding out the blows. They're always crowding out, like you said, the grunts or what the corner was saying. Yeah. Um and even the announcers talked about that. I know mm -hmm. I was listening to Joe Rogan and he was saying some of the fighters were like, yo, I can hear what you're saying like yeah. as I'm fighting. And, yeah. and, and, and it, that was kind of fucking with the fighters because yeah. they're like, you know, they're here hearing the announcers like, oh, he's got to watch out for that left kick. Yeah. And so it, it changed. The, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, they start yeah. focusing on the left kick. Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. Yeah. So and they get hit by the right hook. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and it's over. And it's over. <laughs> uh, I also think to your point, Pops, I thought. Uh, and this is something that's a little bit more personal, but the NBA bubble was actually one thing that I, I genuinely liked because I felt like it was the most lit AAU tournament like, <laughs> alive. Like, it gave me such like AAU vibes. It was like, all right, guys, we're going to go to this tournament and like you're going to stay in this like random resort. You're going to stay at Disneyland Resort. And it was just like and then you're like you're watching and you're like, oh, snap, it's Braun, it's AD, Jimmy Butler, Jason. You're like, OK, like this is I can do this. Like and uh, I thought I thought it was kind of cool, though, because like like I said, the environment was such as like like it felt like these were just like the players were only like concerned about 
what was going on in the court on the game, like on the court yeah. in the game, yeah. like. And I know, I'm sure, like, I've even heard LeBron talk about this, but he talks about, like, just the amount of, like, the anxieties that they were going through. I mean, not being sure. able to see your family yeah, for yeah. six weeks. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, for anybody, yeah. anybody, that's that's really tough. Um, yeah, so so there's a lot of things that, uh, but yeah, t- just to respond, like, sports was definitely, I became a bigger UFC fan um, as far as, like, the, the product that's on the on the canvas um i just you know it was probably the i think there was a stretch there during 2020 where it was like it was the only was the sport only, yeah that yeah. was still like you gotta tip your things. cap you gotta tip your cap to them they yeah did, they did a pretty good job mm-hmm. at that yeah 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 mm-hmm. so um what's the um well, I, I would say what's the first sports sporting event you're going to go to but we're going to try to go to a major league baseball game right uh, uh, shout out to the A's. Uh, shout out to my Oakland A's. Thirteen in a row earlier this season. That's so right. We're gonna try to go to a baseball game. What about you, Trey? Is there a sporting event that that you have in mind that you want to get to in person when you get the opportunity? Do you, you want to fly to Vegas and see the Raiders? Uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> I liked them when they were in Oakland. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you know what's crazy? I'm not a huge live sport you know going to the game mm-hmm. like I went to the Warriors game uh, I think two Christmases ago uh, and uh, they were playing Lakers mm-hmm. and um, ooh Christmas Day game yeah Christmas Day it was lit that was the one where uh, Bron injured his groin though oh so that, that yeah but um, it wasn't that it wasn't as dope mm-hmm. I didn't like it as much mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and I, I kind of just I enjoyed being in the comfort of my own home yeah. and, sure you know could yeah. wear sweats and you know, go to the bathroom at will. Yeah. You know, like yeah. And, yeah. Pause. Pause. Pause and pick yeah. it up again. You know, yeah. go do something else. Exactly. Then, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. I think that's why, um, I think that's why, although I will say when the Sacramento Kings were in their heyday in the 2000s, in the early mm-hmm. 2000s, going to a Kings game was like an experience that people, I can't even really describe it uh, for people because Sacramento is a, such a one horse town with just the Kings as yeah. a professional yeah. sports team and the loyalty that fans yeah. have mm-hmm. to the Kings I mean that place was off the chain on imagine. a Tuesday night game Yeah, right and yeah. so that was very the, big college football environment like oh that's what it felt like yeah and that, and so wow. that's, a, that's a good that's a a, a good uh, analogy to, to or a segue I should say uh, because what I was going to say to Trey was, I feel you on how a basketball pro game could be like, eh, that's our college football. Oh my God, dude. It's just, yeah. and it certainly depends on what, you know, yeah. it, it, it depends on, oh, well, yeah, right. I know. Where'd you guys, you went to see we went, USC? That was, yeah, that was the first time I went to SC, it was with Avery. We went okay. to the game. I was like, I'm, I, I need to come here. <laughs> did, that, did that influence you? Absolutely. I remember. Wow. I, it was this very yeah. vivid moment. They have like this. This graphic where they have like these bells like ringing back yeah. and forth. I was just looking around at the stadium. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of SF State, little <laughs> what football team. Yeah. The football team that went away 25 yeah, years they, ago. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is, I said, I remember I said verbatim, this is a school. Yes. <laughs> I remember us. No disrespect to SF State. <laughs> That, that, I was like, man, I, yeah. I want to experience this. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I remember that. That that honestly might be like, the, that's definitely the biggest sporting event that I've ever been to. 
Like it was sold out, right? Yeah, it was. It was USC Stanford, and it was the primetime game. Ah, five o'clock. It was a five o'clock. Five o'clock start on a Saturday. Oh man, that must. And it was like 93,000 people there, and I was just like, Will Ferrell was there. Like it was just what? And and yeah, I do. I remember that moment too because I remember just looking like I remember being in the student section because we got into the student section for no reason. <laughs> and, and, and I remember how you just drifted. To so, the- so the story goes. So, this is the weekend that we take Justin down to, to oh, UCLA. When he was a at UCLA. Yeah, like his very first like moments, like going to UCLA, right. um, moving into the dorms. And then Trey came down with us, and my friend Hassan uh, was attending USC at the time. So then I'm like, I tell Trey like, okay, like, but we're gonna we're gonna go over to USC today because like I know it's about to be popping. It was a Saturday. Right. I knew like at bare minimum we were just gonna go tailgate, and right, then, right, right, and then just come back to the hotel. Yeah. So then that turns into I have a my, my good friend Michelle, mm-hmm. uh, the one who I traveled to Europe with. Mm-hmm. Her mom at the time was she worked for the security company that okay. did the USC games. Mm-hmm. So I told her earlier that week, I was like, hey, I'm going down to 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 L.A. this weekend. And um, and we just started talking. She was like, oh, my mom works for the she works the games at USC because I told her I was on. I was like, oh, snap. She was like, yeah, she can get you in. Right. And I'm like, all right, like, you know, like for sure, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to bank on this. Right. Sure enough, I hit her up that day. And because uh, the the story goes, we were actually trying to find two student tickets mm-hmm. okay. because because we knew my friend Hassan told me he was like, yeah, bro, a lot of people don't even go to the games. But if you're a student, you just have to show them your ID mm-hmm. and like anybody can get into the student section. Okay. And so and so uh, point is, we found one we found one student ID, but I don't think we could find another one. Yeah. So yeah. we were like, ah. But at this point, everyone's going to the game. So we're like, you know what? Let's just go see what happens. I'm over here texting my friend, Michelle. Mm -hmm. She's like, hold up. I get a call from a random number that I don't know. And it's her mom. And she's like, hey, meet me at this gate. (laughs) And like, and so that's how it happened. We meet up with her. She's like, do y'all want to go in the student section? She looked at us and we were like. Yeah, like I mean for sure. Yeah. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, let's come to this gate. Walks us straight up, like through the gates. Walks us to the entry point into the student section. And then at that point, like we were there. It was on. And I just remember like being kind of towards the bottom and looking up in the LA Coliseum and being like, "There's at least like ten thousand students here." Just like, Easy. and I'm like. Yeah. This is yeah. <laughs> this is the life. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, right. This is how I'm trying to spend my Saturdays. <laughs> like man, and yeah. So and the best part that I don't even know if you know this, but you know who Christian McCaffrey is, running back. Mm-hmm. He was at Stanford at that oh, point, really? and he scored like two or three touchdowns wow. in that game. And I remember, <laughs> I, I remember these USC students. They were so mad. And, uh, you know, if you go to USC and you, if you're around USC, you know, one of its nicknames is University of Spoiled Children. <laughs> and so uh, I'm in, we're in the student section and I remember hearing these uh, these college kids, these frat dudes being like, stop him. He's white. <laughs> oh my God. Screaming at the USC 
seed secondary to stop Christian McCaffrey because he's dogging them up and down the field. Wow. He's running all over the place. And I was just like, yeah, this man's nice. Yeah, like, this man is deep. He's yeah. different. <laughs> he built like that. So, but yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was a great day. I love that one. Yeah. That's funny. I did not know, Trey, that that was kind of like one of the influences for you to uh, apply to grad school at USC. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is great. I can see how that happened, though. I can, you oh, know, yeah. I can see how you could, you oh, could yeah. go to some place like that and just like this is the experience that I wanna, yeah, that yeah. I wanna have. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I went to you took me to a Cal football game when uh, you were young, when I was really young, maybe yeah. eleven or twelve years mm-hmm. old, and I remember like ever since that moment, I was like, I'm gonna be a Cal fan mm-hmm. because like it was like an experience I had never been to before going to the college football game mm-hmm. so of course Cal's half of the stadium is empty yeah I mean, you know, so Cal's on a whole different yeah, vibe from a college exactly. football uh, uh, passionate perspective it's yeah. certainly not a USC right. or University of Washington for that matter yeah. we went up there what two years ago mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To, to go to a game so no it's college football is just you know when that comes back I you know that's just one of those things that I, you know I'll probably go to a UW game when he, this year yeah. If things get back to normal and, um, you know, and down to a, maybe a, a Stanford game. But I, I just I, I you know one thing on your your story about you guys going to the USC uh, Stanford football game. I, this just I remember this. That, that was the time where um, so for everybody that, that, that listens to this podcast, I don't think my sons look anything alike. I think they resemble each other now that they're older. But when 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 they were coming up, people would just be like, "Oh, you just look just like your brother." And I'm like, "These people are really tripping." I just do not. I do not see like how clear that is to people that they're brothers, right? And so I've never believed that. And so at the USC game when that you guys went to with all of these people there, one of Justin's friends that I think went to USC mm. called him oh, during the yeah, game she called him and said hey do you have a brother that's wow. at the USC football yeah, game she's up. never USC. met Avery she didn't even come up to me that's like that's she just saw me from a distance, from a distance and, hit and called Justin <laughs> and yeah. said do you have a brother who's at the USC football game right now and Justin's like yeah she said, why? She said, because I think I see him. And I'm like, this is just yeah. nuts. Crazy. This was just absolutely nuts. Yeah, so, that's funny. That's funny that that's you guys funny. that you guys brought that up. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, I was just going to say, I mean, um, sports is definitely one of my, one of the, the distractions that I just loved in there to uh to find some entertainment with and mm-hmm. um same with music we just talked about mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. music being well, outside lands be happening this year that's what i was just about to bring up man i'm i'm hopeful they uh they I moved it to yeah, yeah they moved it to halloween weekend oh yeah. okay uh, which is that's gonna be if it happens did you, cop, you cop tickets i did i, did. I was gonna go for the you know because i really want to see tyler creator friday bro but i didn't like everybody i, I wasn't i wasn't Crazy you should just do it, bro. You should just do it. Yeah, Have you been outside just, lands before, Trey? I haven't. Okay, I haven't. that's why I'm saying you should just just yeah. give it a try. Go for the day for go for to see Tyler. Okay, and um, anything for Tyler. 
<laughs> I've been wanting to see him. I, last time I saw him live was in tenth grade. Wow. Yeah. That's when he was just starting. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's, it was like an odd future concert. Yeah. It wasn't even just. Time well, it's funny. Him. It's funny that yeah. you that that you bring that up, Trey, because we earlier today before we started. Uh, on the podcast, we were talking about music, mm-hmm. and we were just talking about music and generationally, you know, certain certain things that, you know, as a as a baby boomer that I like types of music and t- types of music that I don't. I've never been a fan of Tyler the Creator. I, I and, and and I could be missing something, and mm-hmm. I, I maybe I haven't even given my man enough uh, time, but his, his stuff was just always strange to me. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it was. Is that, I mean, tell me, guys, is that just like an old? Is it, am I being like the old man get off my lawn type of dude, or what? What's you, up with that? You know what? I consider him, and people may disagree with this. I consider him like the prince of rap. Mm. I feel like he's very different mm-hmm. and outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's major talented. Oh, I, he, no, I don't doubt his talent. Beats. He's a pretty. Pretty damn good rapper, if you ask me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You play the piano. Um, yeah, play the piano. He plays guitar, like, I think. Yeah, and mm. um, now a lot of his stuff, like before, was cool to me because it was, you know, uh, you know, rebellious. It had that energy factor. Yeah, yeah, you know. So like coming up in high school, mm. you know, even though it was really misogynistic and homophobic, mm-hmm. I wasn't really, you know tapped in that well with yeah. recognizing like right. how that's problematic yeah but uh you know he's matured which i also like yeah like his music has matured yes. and it's gotten better and it just better. has more shelf life you know mm. um so i would definitely bump some of his music you know maybe give him a try like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 come on old yeah. man you're, you're, only, stuff. you're only 56 <laughs> try some of his newer stuff right <laughs> That's funny. I love that. I love that. I I would agree with that. I would agree. I think I gained a lot of, like, I became a fan after I realized, like, okay, he is talented. Like, he's so talented that he can change up his his whole style of music. Yeah. And and it actually goes. Like, I, I like his newer stuff way more than I like his older stuff. I won't even front, like, oh, yeah, I've been slapping tight. Like, I was kind of, the way you felt, Pops, I was like... Yeah, this beat on Yonkers slaps for sure, but like, am I really gonna just slap this? Like, am I, you know? And like, I, w- I didn't give him a lot of credit at that time. And so, uh, he is, that's a really interesting and uh, comparison, the comparison to the yeah, Prince. Yeah, that's kind of deep. That's very deep because like, I can see what you mean by that. Like, to have so many different levels of genres of music. Um, so, point is, you should, you should go. You should go. Because that's funny. I'm definitely gonna be there. Justin's gonna be there. We gonna be there. I know. And uh I what's, know was, was, what's interesting though is one year um uh their mom went with them. Ooh, the outside lens? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yes. And she, had a she good loved time. it. She had yeah. a good time. <laughs> she absolutely loved it. She now, had uh, a great time. Yeah, she's you know, she's that you know, I mean she's that free spirit. Yeah. Anyways, like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna go and and uh, I don't know who she saw, but the p- whole point. Oh, was, she really wanted to see I, D'Angelo. D'Angelo, yeah, right, 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 right. of course, <laughs> she wanted to see him. Yeah. But that, the, but she just absolutely loved it, man. So my point saying that is, like, if she loved it, dude, and just she just said the experience was really cool. So. Mm-hmm. You probably should just go ahead and grab some tickets, yeah. man, and, and uh, yeah. How much, what are they the tickets. The, the tickets are a grip. No, right. I ain't going front. They they a grip. But I mean, aren't, aren't most music festival tickets a grip though? At this point, 
At this yeah. point, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, kind of transitioning, I did want to talk a little bit about um, how the last 12 to 14 months and throughout 2020, if that, um, and, you know, talking to you, Trey, Pops, you can chime in too, but did it, um, how did it affect your uh, sense of financial responsibility and financial growth um just the whole year of 2020 like like did you did you find yourself obviously uh we talked about this pops and and trey we talked about this for a podcast but like for us personally like our business definitely took a hit Mm -hmm. and so for me it kind of shed light on okay like it might be time to um pay more attention to how to make your money work for like, this is the conversation that I was having with myself. It's like, I might need to pay more attention about how I'm able to give myself financial security. Yeah. Um, because or just have financial literacy that, and I was going to get to that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, did it, did it affect you in that sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, luckily, uh, in December, I was, uh, or yeah, I think it was December of 2019. Mm-hmm. I started using Robinhood, right? Nice. And I was going in uh, semi heavy on solar, right? Mm. And so that was cool to see, like you know, some good growth. And then you know, March 13th, and I was really like, dang, like, yeah, this sucks. But <laughs> I was like, dang, look at these prices, mm-hmm. you know? So I just went in heavy, mm-hmm. and I ended up making a. Uh, uh, a good amount of money for a teacher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I made a really uh, cool amount of money, mm-hmm. which I've held on to a lot of it. So, you know, it's kind of dipped back down a little bit. Sure. And kinda, you know, uh, rise and fall. Mm-hmm. But, um, yo, like, yeah, this pandemic has definitely uh, put me on game in terms of investing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, having your money work for you. Like, you know, I kind of view the stock market as like, you know, another bank, it just has opportunity to grow really quickly mm-hmm. and an opportunity to fall, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, a lot of these other banks just take your money and invest it anyways. Right. Oh, yeah. You know That's what they do. These banks have some. You deposit it and it goes out the back door. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to let some of this money sit in this other in, in other places. And a lot of these what I really don't like is a lot of banks have some troubled history, like dating back to slavery. Mm. Um mm. And so I want to move my money out of one of these banks um, and and find what I really want to get into mm-hmm. now. Uh, we were speaking of financial literacy with yep. the community. So I want I want to uh, start putting my money in, in black banks mm. um, and different black uh, uh, financial institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because that's... Go ahead, Killer Mike. Go yeah. ahead, Killer Mike. Hey. <laughs> Do your Killer Mike uh, yeah. down, down in Atlanta. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, um, I guess that's kind of pivoting from the, the course. No, no, that's fine. And that's, that's totally fine because we were talking about that. And um, one of the things that we were talking about earlier is, uh, you know, you have a you have a nonprofit mm-hmm. that you're running right now mm-hmm. to coach you, Oakland. And um, and we were talking about I have a desire eventually to, you know, start up maybe a nonprofit, but really my desire is to start to help um, underserved communities, underrepresented communities, uh, people that don't have the same 
that don't come from the same level of privilege that I came from and help them realize uh, starting with financial literacy, like Mm -hmm. help them realize that, like, you know, you don't just have to, for lack of a better term, just slave for the man. Like you don't just have to work your nine to five or work your one job. And like, that's it. Like, no, that's not it. Like there's way more room for growth and to get you out of that situation so that you feel like this is my only way that I'm able to maintain a life or to aspire, you know? So like a lot of that is, has, uh, I've always had this desire to like help people, but I think a lot of what 2020, um, and more recently, even into 2021, uh, I've been just watching a lot of videos and reading a lot about, um, you know, how people in general, but specifically how people in uh, black communities, brown communities can really uplift themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the bigger the, the macro thought behind this is if each of us individually are able to start to become more financially aware financially literate then us as a community as a as a whole society mm-hmm. are able to now become aware of okay like like i have power in where i put my money to sure. your point exactly mm-hmm. like Absolutely. investing in black owned companies putting mm-hmm. your money in black banks so that black banks can thrive and that the people that the black banks are helping support yeah, they, they, can part thrive. Too. they do they do <laughs> yeah but again i think that it's just this my thought process behind it is you know if we can work on ourselves, if we can grow and improve ourselves, mm-hmm. we're better able to help and grow our neighbor and share that knowledge with our neighbors. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's important. No, I think I think both of you guys are um, spot on with, with with what you're saying. You know, one of the problems for for uh, black businesses is that they don't have access to capital. Yes. You know, so to your point, Trey, in terms of supporting you know, black banks. Um, that's, you know, oftentimes are going to be the only places that alone black folks money that have a business idea. Correct. So I, I think that that's I think that's very, very important. The other thing that I would mention here, Avery, is that, um, you know, I, I've known so many people in my life that have worked in the corporate world. Now, obviously, I was in, in the corporate world for close to 25 years. And one of the things that people fail to, fail to do when they're in the corporate world is to take advantage of matching funds that a lot mm-hmm. of corporations offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember having some conversations with some people um, that worked at the same company that I did. And, you know, they weren't, they weren't taking part of that at a level that I, you know, that I was trying to tell them could benefit them. I mean, like you're leaving like free money on the table, mm-hmm. right? Not doing this thing, but it becomes one of those things where you're so, narrowly focused and 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 this is not to this is not to say that you know people don't need every single cent that comes to them in their paycheck but kind of to your point like can you make that adjustment where if money's taken out of your paycheck that you won't even see and you're so so even if you're not saving any money on your own, like you mm-hmm. get your paycheck, let's hypothetically say you get your paycheck of two thousand dollars and you're like, oh, I'm going to take 10 percent of that. I'm going to put it in it from away from myself. Right. So even if you're if you're not doing that, just let the money be taken out of your 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 check so you don't even see it. And and, and know in your mind is like, but I'm saving money. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's. 
Yeah. It's little things like that that I think people just miss the boat on. You know, very very rarely do you can you work for a company now where you can have a pension. That's kind of a mm. yesteryear thing. Mm. But you know, there's still 401ks that this company's offers. There's still a lot of companies that offer matching funds. Mm-hmm. And so I I always thought that that was um, too bad. Yes. That, that, that people didn't take advantage of that. But again, it just kind of comes back down to um, some people just don't know. Right. And I think that that's the biggest, you know, we talked about, you talked about the digital divide. When I was in college, I learned that as the technology gap. But you also have just so many other gaps that that correlate with the same thing, like the access to information, Mm -hmm. the just the base, base understanding of like, Knowing that the bank is going to invest your money anyway, yeah, like no, most people don't know that. Now, I, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people really don't know that. Yeah, and so um, there's just a lot, a lot of different things that you know. As I get older, um, and once I am able to accumulate my own personal capital, I do think that it's a desire of mine to to turn that around and turn that knowledge. Uh, and, and plant those seeds in yeah. people because it's life changing stuff. Sure. It's yeah. life changing. It's it's generational changing yeah. um, information to know yeah. that like there's opportunities out there to grow your money so mm-hmm. that potentially you could pass that down. We were talking about that earlier, like being able. One of the things we were talking about is um, like the learned habit. Of like accumulating things to pass it down mm-hmm. to your to your to the next generation sure. to your kids or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was pointing out that you know in previous top humanity uh, like time periods, you know it was royal families. Yeah, like the royal families were the one that was doing most of the passing down, sure. and now we're at a point in in um, American society where like each individual family can essentially become their own royal family from yeah. the standpoint of you're able now to accumulate wealth and pass that down um, to a degree that's so much more widespread than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while we're talking about the downsides of capital or mm-hmm. capitalism, mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's also a benefit of it. And it, it, that gets back to our point of, mm-hmm. uh, of love-hate relationship with America. Yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah, just totally. being like... I like I love America for this, but at the same time, I do know that America needs to improve in this. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, just like all of us as people, correct? Right. It's correct. the same thing, right? Yeah. We, you know, we we all have. Uh, like, look, it's that journey of self awareness, right? Mm-hmm. That that uh, that America is is, I think, in some ways, is starting to go through, and I think you know one of the reasons that it's starting to go through that. Is the advent of the camera phone, <laughs> right? Yeah. Who, who, who? That has just come on the scene, and it's just like, oh, this is what really happens, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Many Americans know what really happens, but yeah. the camera phone has shown a lot of other people what actually happens. Exactly, you know. Yeah. And so that's a that's that's a that's a whole uh, another level. But yeah. uh, but are we are we shall we wrap this up, man? Are we? You know, I could talk all day, man. I know. I know. It's been really awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. This has been. This is. A, this is a. This is a version of a, of barbershop talk around the kitchen island. We just call this kitchen conversation. That's right. We'll call right. this episode kitchen conversation. That's right. Like, That's uh, right. 
No, this has been fantastic. One of the things that I haven't done, guys, that I know I'm going to have to do is like I got to get a haircut, man, because you know <laughs> the virtual presentations, man. You can do a whole lot of you know perpetrating on the hairdo, right? <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of hair oil and yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> wet it down and what have you, man. Yeah. But the lineup is just a whole yes. other it's thing rough. in the in the back of the yeah. you know in the back of the head. So I know Avery, you've been. You were just kind of like, yo, I, 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 I'm going to be uh, very cautious and careful about a lot of things. But you've been getting a haircut for a long time. Man. I mean, I wouldn't too. say that. I'll say you're the dopest one in the kitchen right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know my I'm the most lined up right yeah. now. <laughs> this is still like, I, the last haircut I got was like four or five weeks ago. So I just spaced it out. But yeah, it got to the point where I was just like, look, I... I've been looking <laughs> raggedy. Uh, yeah, gotta, yeah. <laughs> but like at the same time, like everyone was. So it was it was kind of like I didn't really care. I, who was I trying to impress? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? uh, I feel you. <laughs> I'm at home. Yeah. That's why I got this. I mean, yeah. I'm just letting it grow. At this point, when the afro yeah. gets a little too big. Yeah. For, for yeah. Well, I feel like it's been now. longer for you, though. Oh, it's been longer. Yeah. And I'm trying to grow it back, get it long again. But you know what I hate? I hate when it gets in my ears. Uh, I don't yeah. like that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I do man. like the fro. Yeah, no, the fro is cool, man. But if the beard keeps going towards the James Harden, <laughs> I'm going to have to pull your coattail on that, man. My mother-in-law looks at James Harden, and she just said, he need to cut that mess off. There's all kind of food particles in there. Like, she just goes in on him. It's just kind <laughs> Like, like wow, that mom, really? It's like that. I know. But anyway, man, I'll turn that over to you. Well, yeah. First of all, thank you so much, man, for being uh-huh. on. This was this was so cool and a long time this coming. Fun. This um, is fun. And for anybody that has made it this far, thank you so much for tuning <laughs> yeah, in for this dude. episode. Yeah. Uh, it's a change of pace, but we love having guests on the show. So yeah. Until next time, everybody. Peace. Deuces. <laughs>